Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? That's the way we're supposed to be is blessed. Well, if you all would make your way in and find a seat, we're fixing to start the service this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Well, let's stand up and let's say our confession over the United States of America. Land that I love, stand beside her and guide her. You know that that one? That America? You know what I mean? That America. (laughs) All right. You ready? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And in unity, we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, it's Sunday morning. It's meet and greet time. So go love on one another. Amen. And I'll see you in a minute.
Be the glory. All of creation, lift up His name. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. All of creation, lift up His name. To God be the glory. To God be the glory now and forever. Sings my soul. To God be the glory now and forever sings my soul. To God be the glory now and forever sings my soul. To God be the glory now and forever sings my soul. some announcements to go over with you. Today is Mission Sunday, by the way, and Pastor Samples is going to be talking about that, but the missions board is back up, just FYI, back in the back of the sanctuary, the front of the sanctuary, however you want to view it. It's, it's however your view goes, <laughs> but it's back there. So we like to keep that updated in letters from our missionaries and things like that. So if you're interested in doing that, then, uh, you know, go back there and check it out. Pastor's going to be talking about that today. Okay, Pastor Dave and Katie and family are still in New York. Actually, I think that uh, Pastor Dave and Katie are on their way to uh, Pennsylvania today. They're driving to Pittsburgh so they can go to a uh, Gerald Brooks conference. Then uh, Joe and Portia are watching all their youngins for them. So they're having a great time, did all the tours, the Statue of Liberty, you know, the Ellis Island, 9-11, you know, all kinds of places. So they're having fun. Um, also, um, I just want to give you an update on the funeral for Patrick Gurriel, who passed away last Sunday morning. His wife, Dahlia, is a member of our church. Um, she's from the Philippines, and um, I think they'd only been married about six months, and then he passed away unexpectedly last Sunday morning. But the service for him will be here at the church Tuesday morning, August the 30th at 11 a.m. So as many as you can, please come and be a support to Dahlia. She has no family uh, stateside here, so we're the family, so let's, let's be a support to her. There's no meeting, men's meeting in September, it's Labor Day weekend, so men you're taking the month off. And the women's kickoff, I have a sign up sheet for this. If you're coming to the women's kickoff meeting, which is Friday night, September the 9th, 6.30 in, uh, Victory, then I need for you to sign up. I need an usher. Here comes my, here comes my, the, our only, our only lady usher, Kathy. And she's right on it. So if you plan on coming and bringing a guest, write, write, write your name down. Make sure you write it down. And there's information slips on that back on the info booth on what you're supposed to bring, etc. But we want to give a gift to every, every woman or, and girl that's there. So you need to sign up so I know how many of those to order, okay? And let's see. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Nick's not in here, is he? No, nobody's in here that knows anything about young adults, right? Ryland, do you know anything about young adults? Well, come on. (laughs) 
Brylyn Crank. And she's a lovely young lady. And she's going to give an announcement about young adults. Now, I have a question for you. Done it. Well, they're in back of me. I didn't see their hand. You want to do it? Cool. Okay, now let me ask you a question because we got to clear this up. Used to be young adults was for singles and married people. Is it still the same? Okay, so what is the age group for young adults? 18 to 30. So if you're 18 and 30, listen up. You, you can be single or you can be married. So tell them about what's happening. Um, so young adults is having um, an out-of-town event. It's going to be Saturday, October 8th, 6.30 down in San Diego, uh, Brandon Lake concert. Um, you can purchase tickets. Um, one's on his Instagram for $25. Gates open at 5.45, but we're going to be heading out from Victory at 1230. Uh, um, yeah, so then whoever rides to, um, if you could pitch in, I think it's like 10 bucks an individual for gas. No, we'll have more vehicles if, if needed. And then every first and third of the Fridays of every month, we'll be going down to the Rock Church. Uh, okay, hold on. We gotta. So the first and the third Fridays of every month will be a young adults get together. So it, it could be here in Victory, at one of our homes. It could possibly lead down at the Rock in San Bernardino as well. All right. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. So if you're in that age group, get involved. Amen. It's nothing better than having Christian friends of like mind. Amen. All right. Also want to let you know that Ron and Annette Thiesing are going to be here Sunday morning, September the 4th. Um, that's Labor Day weekend. There will be no service that evening for Labor Day weekend. But make sure that you're here for Ron and Annette. It's happy time. So come on, Pastor. Happy time. Smiley faces. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Rod and that Thiessen for, for a minute, but uh, I want you to look at Proverbs chapter 22. We're going to look at verse 6 and verse 7. Verse 6 and verse 7. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the Thiessens in a minute, but uh, you know, I think about us as parents and grandparents and the times we live in. We're always living in times, but how many know there's sometimes more challenging than other times? We're in challenging times right now. You know, there's so, there's so much going on and it, it, affect, it affects how you live. It affects your money. It, it, affect, it affects everything in life, but nothing ever catches God by surprise. He always knows more about the future than you know about the past. And the Bible is God's directions, His instructions, what to do to come out on top no matter what times you live in, no matter what nation you live in, no matter what color you are, no matter what gender you are, no matter where you work at, God's got a plan to cause you to win financially in every area of life. But I want you to see this. 
And Mrs. Pastor is going to be talking about uh, being kingdom-minded, seeing things through the eyes of the kingdom. And here's what God sees. we got to look beyond just now. we got to look to the future. You think about our kids and our grandkids. And a lot of, a lot of us are who we are still because of how we were raised. And even if you got born again like I did at a later age in life, then you still have things to try to try to piggyback on you from the past. Things you saw your dad and mom do, how they lived, your grandparents and things. But we're born again. We're new in Jesus Christ. And so he's got a better way, but we've got to be able to leave that old life behind and go for better. Amen? It says, Proverbs 22, 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. How many have ever heard that verse before? Woo. How many have ever heard that verse before? Wow. Boy, you're at the right place. And this is the right time. We're going to show you from the Bible how to have better than what you had. How to make wiser decisions than what you made. And so it says, tramp a child. And then verse 7 is really interesting that it follows right after that. And one of the first things he said is this. The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And what God said right there is this, you need to know how yourself to manage money. You need to train your children how to manage money. And, you know, when you talk about training up your child, there's two primary ways that we train our children and our grandchildren now even. Number one is by teaching. We can teach them the difference between right and wrong according to the Bible. We can teach them how to make wise decisions according to the Bible. But then also we train them by example. And our life is an open book. Anybody ever hear the old saying that I can't hear what you're saying because I see what you're doing? Well, we train our children as much by how we live as what we say. And actually, if we're telling them one way and we're living another way, then we're hypocrites anyway. And they're not going to want to do it. So he says, train up a child the way he should go. He'll not depart from it. And then the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is servant to the lender. I don't know about any of you, but has anybody ever thought that they owned a car, but the car really belonged to the bank? And if you didn't make your papers, the bank proved it to you that, hey, that's our car, we're coming to get it. Had nothing to do about it. Same thing about a house, piece of property. Anything in life that you borrow money, money on, it's not yours. It belongs to the person you borrowed from and if you ever don't keep keep your end of the deal, they let you know this is ours. We're coming to take your house. Come take what you got. And so, uh, you know, I think about that. The borrower is serving to the lender. There may be things in life you want to do, but if that payment's coming due and you don't have the money, you say, man, I'd love to go to my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, but I, if I don't week, work all weekend, I'll lose my car. And so i got to serve that company that owns my car, and so I can't come to that special event. Are your kids or your grandkids are getting ready to graduate from high school or college or something like that, and you're so far behind on payments that you've got to work. You've got to work because you've got to serve. You've got to serve what it is you borrowed that money off of. But if you're the one that has learned God's principles, and you're a person that found out the Word of God, Malachi chapter 3, that God said, break the tithe into the storehouse. And God said, I'll open the windows of heaven. And your lifestyle will be full of blessing. You live in my blessing land. And I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. 
and you believe that, then that's the way your life will be. So you'll pay cash for things because you've learned. You've learned that if I borrow it, I'm a servant to who I borrowed it off of, and I don't like to be a servant. I want to be the one that lends, not the one that borrows. And I want to tell you something. When you begin to learn God's principles, and you learn and find out that paying tithes to God is not just something you do because it's in the Bible. It's something you do because that's God's plan for you to be blessed. You start tithing. And then, if you train your children and they see you, that you're a consistent person that tithes, that you live a lifestyle of giving, then your kids are going to grow up. They're going to be tithers. They're going to be givers. And they're going, to, they're going to never suffer some of the pain and misery you went to financially because they've learned a better way than barley. They've, they've learned a better way than charge cards. And years ago, years ago, I put a note in my billfold where my cards were kept, and I put this. I don't live off of charge cards and credit. I live off my giving. And then I put this right there, too. I said, if cash can't get it, I don't need it. Amen. And I've, I've taught that to my kids. And my kids come out pretty good in life. My kids my kids pretty much pay cash for cars. Pay cash for what they need to do. And I, I got Josh up here. That Josh got a hold of this better than anybody. Uh, Josh at his age is debt free. He had two houses, sold one, then paid off his other house. And so he has no house payments. He's got fairly new vehicles. He has no car payments. He's not a servant to a lender because he is the lender now. Amen. And so I'm telling you this, for what we do with money is more than just something to be a servant to. Money's supposed to serve us, amen? And so if you can't do it for yourself, think about your kids. Think about their future. Think about your grandkids. Do you want to, you want to have something now that makes everybody else think you're something? Or are you willing to suffer a little pain now so you can really enjoy life, really enjoy it later? And see your kids grow up not to be how maybe you did. Amen? And so that's, that's, that's God's best. And so we're going to go ahead and receive them in a minute. But I want to tell you a little bit about the thesis. We got the picture up there yet? Shake your head we'll get the picture. We see the smiling faces yet? We don't see them yet. Having technical difficulties. Rod and Death Thiessen are a couple of the most awesome people I've ever met in my whole life. I've, I've known them for probably around 30 years, but uh, known them from a distance. The last five or six years, I've known them up close. Back during the pandemic, I, they were in Peru. They, they've done a lot in Peru, lived there for a lot of years. And uh, I got stuck down there during the pandemic. But down, down on the Amazon River, they've got pastors and churches all the way up down the Amazon River that they teach what we teach here. And they teach those people how to live by faith. And, and you know, a ministry like ours is like that story. You give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, and he's fed for a lifetime. And so they teach the word of faith to these people down in the Amazon, all up and down the river. But now they're stationed in Honduras. They're the Latin American directors for AFCM, one of our ministry organizations. And in Latin America, they've got an orphanage, so they've got a school, been there for a lot of years, and they're, and they're trading up those kids down there feeding them, training them, and helping them all, all over that part of Honduras. And they're doing a great work for God. Mrs. Pastor and I, when, when we're confident that travel is good enough and we're not going to get stuck somewhere, we're going to take some of you down to Honduras with us and to help minister down at the orphanage, down at the school down there, and do some things down there in Honduras. But it's, it's so great to be able to know people like this, the stories they've got to tell. And they've got a lot of good spiritual stories, 
But these people have been so far out in the jungle all their lives. He told me how they had to live to cook and eat. They had rain barrels on the roof of their hut with spouts coming down to catch the rainwater in these barrels. Didn't have to boil and sterilize the water and live that way for years. Had to catch their food and cook their food all because they want to serve Jesus. I want to help people down there know nothing. So anyway, you'll really be blessed when they come here two Sundays from today. It'll be Labor Day weekend, so they'll just be here in the morning time, not at night time, because we won't be here. But they've got, they got some things to tell, plus, of course, the Word of God. And one thing about missionaries that I like, we get taught the Word of God here every service. And so I tell missionaries most the time they come, don't, have to, don't be obligated they can't teach any great big meaty sermons. They get taught all the time. But tell them about your lifestyle. Tell them what you're doing. Tell them what Jesus is doing in these other places. And you know what benefit of that? It helps us appreciate America that much more. You know, the people that curse America and hate America, Dave was going on a mission trip down to Nicaragua, and some of the others have too. You go to Nicaragua, and you see these old people coming down the road with a bunch of sticks on their back because they're going to have to cook something in their pot, something they catch. And the things you see that you'll appreciate America maybe won't be so whiny. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand up, make our financial faith confession, and then we're bringing the ties up here again, right? Amen. Let's make this confession together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritance, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give just to the kingdom of God, promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar after you drop off your offering. Let's worship the Lord together. Arise, my soul, remember this. He took my sin and he buried it. No longer I who live. Now Jesus lives in me. For I was dead in sin, but I woke up just see the light. But in the cross that saved my soul, all else is lost. See the grip, the grip of fear has no hold on me. So where, oh death, where is your sting? No longer I who. Jesus lives in me, for I was dead in sin, but I woke up to see the light. Let's sing, I won't boast. No, I won't boast, but in the cross 
Holy Ghost for a minute. If you pray in the Holy Ghost, let's pray in the Holy Ghost for a minute. Oh, shati magahata sarasen yaraboya kaha. E shati magahanda sandaser yarasoto sarasatia. Yo gehenda senda 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 yamaya. Yo shaki maya kahata sarasera sita tata. Yo sherebenegen yarabaragoya gohoto sarasatasa. Ah, ha, ha. Ashatamaya gahata sarasatese. Yemaya kindi arabiki agahata sarasarasete. Yemereshenda ye agaha. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we glorify your name. We glorify your name. We glorify your name, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The Lord says, Come nigh unto me, for I have much to show you. I have much for you to learn. There's much I want you to do, but you must cuddle up close to me. You must come to me. You and I must be as one. We must walk as one. We must talk as one. We must think as one. We must operate as one. And we will see this world one to the Lord in the mighty name of Jesus. But come close to me and cuddle up in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Let's just praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to your name, Father God. Glory to your name. Lord, you're so good. Your mercy endures forever, Father. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, glory to your name, Father. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Shoo-wee. Boy, do I love the Lord. Do you? Amen. Isn't he awesome? How many of you, how many of you want to go back to the world? Let me see your hand. Anybody in here want to go back to the world? No way. How, how much could I pay you to go back to the world? Zero zilch nada. We don't want the world. We want Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you did not receive a, a handout today when you came in, raise your hand real high so the ushers can see you, and they will uh, make sure that you get one if you did not receive. Oh, everybody did good today. Thank you so much. That's great. Okay. Hallelujah. Well, I want to show you. Uh... <laughs> Actually, it's pastor in my book, but we haven't shown it for a while. The title of it is, What Always Precedes a Major Move of God? And do you recognize your position in relevance to the times? Well, not only does this talk about a mighty move of God, but it also talks about, there's a theme in here that just runs through. 
And it talks about in order to have a major move of God, you have to have three things. You have to have prayer. You have to have leadership. And you have to have unity. You have to have those three things. And in the message I'm bringing forth today, I happened to notice as I was preparing it that in every instance that I have written here, every example that I have, there's prayer, there's leadership, and there's unity. So if you don't have this book yet, they're, they're on sale in the bookstore. I think they're $10, something like that. Good book. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, well, uh, as you can see by your little outline there, the title of today's mes- message is Embracing Kingdom Vision. So, you know, think about the word embracing. That's kind of like what the Holy Ghost just said. Cuddle up close to me. Embrace it. Hang on to it. You know, embracing kingdom vision. That's what he wants us to do. When I when I say the word kingdom, I'm not talking about a monarchy like what they have in England. You know, sometimes you have to say things to people because they think you're talking about, oh, she wants us to become like England. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God's kingdom. You know, there's two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of light, which is God's, and there's a kingdom of darkness, which is Satan. And so today we're going to be talking about embracing kingdom vision god's kingdom vision how god sees things how we need to be seeing things and in too many cases we are not so vision involves focusing so we need to focus on the things of god on his things what are we as believers focusing on you know stop and think about your life and what are we as believers oblivious to in other words, we have no clue what's going on in the lot in our lives. We live in times like this. Now I'm going to read you. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is what's happening in Sacramento as we speak. But most believers are oblivious to it until somebody tells us. Until somebody draws our attention to it. Some people totally want to ignore this because they don't want to hear it. But we're going to hear it today and you're going to be horrified at what's going on in Sacramento. These are bills that are going before the, in the, in the, the House and the Senate in Sacramento. This is called AB 2223. It's formally known as the infanticide bill. If you don't know what the word infanticide means, it means killing babies after they are born. Now, this bill, particular bill, did not pass, praise God. However, they have reintroduced it. Sometimes they'll, re- if it doesn't pass the first time, they'll reintroduce it. Sometimes they'll give it another name. Sometimes they'll give it a cute little, fun little name. So you'll think, well, that must be a good bill. But if you stop to read it, it is not a good bill at all. So this bill, now, since they rewrote it, is shielding mothers and those who aid her in murdering her baby from prosecution. So if this bill passes, it already, it already passed the assembly and it's going, the California assembly, it's already going to the state. Okay. So it's, it's passed already two bodies of, of leadership government in Sacramento. So in other words, if you're a mother and you kill your baby after it's born, they cannot prosecute you. If you help that mother kill that baby after it's born, they cannot prosecute 
you. That's what this bill's about. Now, isn't that a lovely bill? No, it's not. Here's another bill. Senate Bill 1142. It establishes what they call abortion tourism in California. It establishes the Abortion Practical Support Fund, which gives grants to people, even in other states, your tax money, to fly women into California, pay for their airfare, pay for them to have an abortion, pay for them while they're here, their gas, their food, whatever. That's California. Okay, that passed. Listen to this. That passed in the California Senate, and it'll be heard in the uh, California Assembly. Listen to this bill. Senate Bill 1375 will reduce the qualifications needed of nurse practitioners to perform abortions and allow them to perform abortions without a physician or a surgeon's supervision. Now, you know the Supreme Court just overturned Roe v. Wade, but what that meant was they sent it back to the states. And so now we have pro-life states and we have abortion states. Okay, so there's two types of states. Now, listen to this bill. Senate Bill 107. Now, if you're going to notice something, notice this all has to do with children, babies, your family. Why aren't we talking about things like, why isn't there a homelessness bill here? Why isn't there a, you know, a water bill here? What's going on? It's all about your children, your grandchildren, and stuff like that. Listen to this bill. Senate Bill 107. We'll make California a sanctuary state for children who live in other states, see, they don't give a hoot about the other, you know, 49 states of America, that are seeking gender-affirming health care. Gender-affirming health care includes reversing hormone therapy, uh, therapy and gender surgeries. It will effectually make California the nation's center for children receiving dangerous and irreversible gender hormone treatments, treatments, trans surgeries, and more, disregarding the laws of other states, including important custody laws. In other words, if you're a parent and you don't want your child to go to California and have this operation, they'll take your child from you, bring that child to California, perform all these surgeries, and maybe you'll get your child back and maybe you won't. Senate Bill 1302. Now listen to this one. For those of you whose kids go to public school, we'll give $1 billion to fund wellness centers in public schools that will counsel kids on sexual health, reproductive health, mental health, lifestyles, and more. Counseling a child on topics such as sexuality and lifestyle should be under the strict supervision of a parent. The parent needs to be the one that makes those decisions. And when I read this, I thought, well, that sounds like they're just moving Planned Parenthood into the public schools. You know, that's what that sounds like to me. Listen to this. This bill passed in the California Senate and will be heard. It was heard in the in the assembly uh, on August the 11th. So a decision has been made on this. I don't know what the decision is yet. Senate Bill 1419. Listen to this one. You know, when I had my children, I always thought it's my, my responsibility, God gave me my children, it's my responsibility to raise them up, to train them up, to teach them about Jesus, to make sure that they go the way that they're supposed to go. 
But if you haven't noticed, in a lot of these states and even in the federal government, they're trying to take your kids away from you because they want to be the ones that shove what they want to shove down your kid's throat and not you. Listen to this. Senate Bill 1419 will prohibit the parent of a minor from viewing their child's medical records or clinical notes regarding sensitive services. So they don't want you to know about your children's health care. Listen to this one. Senate Bill 866 states that a minor 12, not the calls it a minor, 12 years of age or older may consent to a vaccine that is approved by the United States Food and Drug Administration without your consent at all. Now, don't you want as a parent to know what kind of vaccinations your children are receiving? Listen to this. This bill passed in the California Assembly Judiciary Committee, and then now it's on the it's on the assembly floor for vote. Now here's a federal bill. The House of Representatives just pa- just passed HR Bill 550. They just did this legislation that gives 400 million in taxpayer dollars to expand the CDC and public health departments' existing systems and availability to track all immunizations across the country. In other words, they can tell whether you had, you know, this shot, that shot, any shot, no shot. I don't know about you, but I don't like it. And I'm going to be kingdom-focused, and I'm not going to play dead and roll over and play dead and, and pretend like I don't see any of this stuff going on. Because it is going on. And we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are part of God's army. And we have a responsibility to do some things, which I'm going to tell you at the end of this message, the things that we can do as believers to help combat this stuff. There's more to being a Christian than... Warm fuzzies. And let's get together and have a cookout. Let's do this and let's do that. There's more to being a Christian. That's great. That's wonderful that we love one another, that we have fellowship with one another. But we're, we're, we're called the army of God. You know? I remember I was, I was told my dad was served in World War II. Back, back in those wars, World War I, World War II, if you were in the military of any kind, you went to war. You didn't come back. Till the war was over. There was an old song, over, we're going over, and we won't come back till it's over, over there. Well, why did they, why was that song popular then? Because people's husbands, sons, sons, you know, went overseas and they fought until it was over, over there. They either fought and came home or they died. Now, the military today, you get like R&R, you get to come home for a while and rest and stuff. But when there was a war going on, you went and you didn't come back until... And so it's the same thing with, with, with us as believers. Let's love one another. Let's have a good time with one another. Let's fellowship. But at the same time, we are not going to put our head in the sand like the ostrich and this guy on your paper who is oblivious and could care less about what's going on in our world that we are responsible for. So are we going to focus on the problem or are we going to focus on the answer to the problem? 
First of all, we have to know that there is a problem. We cannot be oblivious and keep our heads in the sand. Oblivious means to be not aware. You know, if you're not aware, it just means you're ignorant of the facts. You know, many of us are ignorant of this stuff I just read to you because they don't want you to know it, number one. Um, and another definition of, of oblivious is being not concerned. You don't give a hoot about what's happening. Don't bother me with that, Mrs. Pastor. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to do anything about it. Well, shame on you if that's your attitude because we're all in this thing together. I'm going to give you three examples of peoples or people groups in the Bible who had kingdom vision. Jesus is the winner. Jesus is the victor, right? Jesus is the victor. But you know the old saying, what does it take for evil to overcome but good people to do nothing? And that's what's happened in our nation. Number one, we haven't gone out and we haven't witnessed and we haven't told people about Jesus. We haven't got people saved and born again. You know, last week I printed up some more tracks and I handed them out, out to a bunch of you. Man, if all you can do is stick a track somewhere. Where was I at? Oh, I was at the, oh, I was at a store here in town this week. I won't mention any names. But, uh, I stuck my little track out of my person, stuck it right there by the lawn and garden department. Yes, I did. I thought somebody's gonna find that sucker and they're gonna read that thing and they're gonna get born again, you know? If all you can do is track, you know? If all you can do is stick a track somewhere, you know, if you still mail your bills, stick it in your bills and mail it out, you know? If you, you know? And then get to the point where you're just, you're just bold. Lord, show me who I can, who, who can I witness to today? Who needs born again? Who's on their way to hell more than anybody else today? And then be sensitive. And when he puts you smack dab, dab in front of somebody, you open your mouth and you speak forth what the Lord says. You watch that person come to the Lord and then you get so excited because, Lord, I obeyed you today. I obeyed you today. Amen. That's what it's all about. Okay, so here we are. Three examples. Now watch for this. Watch for the prayer, the leadership, and the unity in this. We're watching for the God factor. The first person we're going to talk about is Peter. So Peter had a government problem, not unlike the world today, and he had a persecution problem, and there was a prayer issue going on. Now, in honor of Pastor Dave, who isn't here today, I am reading out of the New Living Translation for you today. So if you would like to go to Acts chapter 12, we're going to read about what happened to Peter, and I'm in the New Living, because Pastor Dave's not here today, so I thought, well, I'll just do what he likes. Okay. But my living Bible is older than his living Bible. Just saying. (laughs) Okay, Acts chapter 12. About that time, this is the book of Acts, so you know what's going on with all the disciples and stuff. King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some of the believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish leaders, he arrested Peter during the Passover celebration and imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So that's 16 soldiers. Herod's intention was to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But here's the turning point. See that word, that three-letter word, but? Things are fixing to change. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. 
chained between two soldiers while others standing guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel tapped him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up! And the chains fell off of his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. Kind of a surreal thing going on here. You know it's real, but he he doesn't know it's real. He didn't realize it was really happening. They passed the first and the second guard post, him and the angel, and came to the iron gate to the street. And this opened to them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally realized what had happened. It's really true, he said to himself. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jews were hoping to do to me. After a little thought, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer, for prayer. They were gathered for prayer. Why were they there? They were there for prayer. He knocked at the door at the door in the gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door to let Peter in, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. She couldn't believe it either. Peter couldn't believe he was released. He's released. He goes to Rhoda's house, or Rhoda answers the door. And she doesn't believe it either, so she just runs back inside, doesn't even bother to let him in. Pretty cool. So the angel fetched Peter out of the prison, but the angel never would have gone unless the people had prayed. James 4.2, we're not going to look that up, says, You receive not because you ask not. You know, the Lord is such a gentleman. He's not going to go barging through anywhere unless you ask him to, unless you give him permission to. And he and, and his hordes of angels are just standing by waiting for you to pray, waiting for you to say, Lord, help me. Lord, intervene in this situation. You know, many of you, if you come up to my prayer line and you come with a problem, I, my, one of the first things I say is, oh, Lord Jesus, intervene in this situation. In other words, get involved, Lord. You get involved, Lord. And you have a victory. You ignore the Lord. You don't ask the Lord. You, ho- you hide your head in the sand. You're not, we're not going to get any victories, either personally or as a group or as a state or as a nation. So think about what happened there. So can or will Jesus do the same thing today? Will he call forth his angels? Is he going to do that? Are there still angels today? Oh, yeah, they're there. They're just looking for something to do. And unless we give them something to do, they're standing there just twiddling their thumbs like, come on, people, let's give me something to do. I want to do something for God, and you're not doing anything to ask me to. So, you know. Would Jesus today, because of his people praying, walk into a prison thing with an angel and let some guy loose. What do you do that? Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means what he did yesterday, he'll do today. He'll do it forever. Amen.
Hallelujah. But the believers in that house, they somebody said, they had leadership. Somebody in the house said, let's pray. So they gathered a group together and they said, let's pray. And guess what they did? They prayed. They didn't serve hors d'oeuvres. They didn't cook hamburgers on the grill. You know, la, 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 la. They prayed. What was the purpose of their meeting? They gathered together to pray. They were in unity about their prayer. Prayer, leadership, unity. These believers had kingdom vision. They had kingdom vision. Kingdom vision. God's what's your will. That's that's what my vision wants to be. I want your vision, Lord. Whatever your will is. Here's his will, right? Written in his word. Hallelujah. I want to, I want to show you what happened to Herod. Now look, look at this. I'm sorry, but this is pretty cool. Okay. Acts 12 verses 23 and 24 says this. They planned on killing Peter. Okay. That was, that was Herod's plan was to kill Peter. Right? Okay. Listen to this. Some stuff happened. You know, I'm not reading all the verses, but in verse 23, this happened instantly. Oh my gosh. Here comes an angel again. An angel of the Lord struck Herod with sickness. Because he accepted the people's worship about what a great guy he was instead of giving glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and he died. That's interesting, huh? But God's good news was spreading rapidly and there were many new believers. See, when we get off our rusty dusties and do something, it speaks something to the world. It speaks something that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Amen. Say Jesus is alive. Say it louder. Jesus is alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, now I want to read a, uh, I have a pastor friend. Oh, she's the neatest lady. Her name's, uh, Judy Tillett. She used to pastor in, uh, Missouri down there by Fort Leonard Wood. Now she lives in, uh, Texas. She said this the other day. Now listen to this. The kingdom of darkness, I've got a picture of the kingdom of darkness, will not prevail, even though it may operate in today's culture, and it does, like a consuming, unstoppable flood. It is stoppable. God's extended arm will reach, remedy, and redeem in his appointed time. Only God and his arm or his army are unstoppable. That's kingdom vision. That is kingdom vision right there. We need to get our heads out of the sand. We need to know what in the world is going on around us because it's not good. Some of it's good. You know how many decades I prayed for Roe v. Wade to be overturned? In 1970, I wrote an editorial to the Indianapolis Star newspaper. They don't even have newspapers anymore, really, about the abortion issue, and they printed it. And I've still got that article somewhere. I, I, I get it out every once in a while. How many decades ago? 70, 80, 90, 2000, 2010. That's 50 years ago. I prayed for 50 years, and so did many other believers, about that Roe v. Wade being returned, but overturned. But see, that's, it's not done yet, though. We live in California. Sometimes I wonder, should I say things or shouldn't I say things? 
You want me to say it? We live in the butcher state. We've got to eliminate the butchering of the unborn and at this point even the born. It's not God's will. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so. The Spirit of God within me tells me so. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, kingdom and vision, vision in us can increase, but it's up to you and me. It's a choice on whether we're going to have kingdom vision or not. Just because we hide away from or ignore problems does not mean they are going away. It means they are getting worse. Okay? Um, I'm going to flip over to Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Verses 37 through 41 says this. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man returns. Two men will be working together in the field. This is about the rapture. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour in the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So be prepared because you don't know what day or hour the Lord your God is coming. We don't. But see, we don't want to be part of the party bunch. You know what I mean? We want to be part of the bunch that's kingdom, has kingdom vision. Yes, have your, have your get-togethers, have your cookouts, have your fun times. But have prayer meetings too. Amen. Have days where you go out witnessing. Say, we're going to go tracking today. That's what Pastor and I used to call it back in the day. Let's go tracking today. So you take a pile of tracks and you just hit the streets. And you just start sharing the gospel with people. And we need to be doing that. That's what we need to be doing. Okay, now here's, here's my example number two. Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah is way back here in the Old Testament. So we're going to read about Nehemiah. I tell you what, if you want to read a good book, read Nehemiah. It's really good. There's a lot that I'm, I'm just hitting some high points. I'm not hitting, you know, the whole thing because I can't read the whole chapter to you, but it's outstanding. Old Testament, Nehemiah, chapter 1. Okay, listen to this. Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, they said to me, Nehemiah, these things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been burned. Then Nehemiah says, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah had kingdom vision. How do you know he had kingdom vision? He had kingdom vision because the things of God had been destroyed. And he was grieved about it and he mourned about it. There was there was an instance in our nation, I don't know how many years ago now, I can't keep track of all this stuff. When a bill was passed, or no, maybe it was a Supreme Court decision, I think it was a Supreme Court decision, and the White House all of a sudden 
was lit up in some colors. If you know what I'm talking about. I I was physically, spiritually sick to my stomach for three days. The picture of that made me so grieved because darkness had prevailed in our nation and it was just blatantly broadcast. Blatant across the White House, the front of the White House, our house, the White House. Blatant. It was blatant. Like, take that, Christian. It was disgusting. I tell you, I couldn't eat nothing for three days. I was so grieved by it. And hopefully, you were too. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll tell you later. So, number one, Nehemiah hears about what has gone on in his nation. He hears about it. He didn't know before. Number two, he goes to prayer about it immediately. Immediately, he goes to the Lord about it. And then in verse 8, he says this to the Lord. He said, Lord, you said this. And he's quoting it back to the Lord. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you sin, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commandments, even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. So, leadership. Noah, I mean Noah, Nehemiah decides he's going to go rebuild this wall. Of course, the devil doesn't like it. So the devil uses people. The devil uses people. The devil uses people to come against him. Look at Nehemiah 4, 6. So, so far we've got prayer. Nehemiah prayed. You've got leadership. Nehemiah decided he was going to do something about this, which made made him a leader. So he's a leader. So look at Nehemiah 4, 6b, the last part of it. New Living says, For the people had worked very hard. That's a nice statement, but New King James or King James says, the people had a mind to work. The people made a quality decision that they were going to get kingdom vision, and that they were going to follow the leader, Nehemiah, and that they were going to rebuild that wall. They had a mind to work. You know, you can, you can make up your own mind one way or the other. You can choose or not choose. But the people had a mind. They made up their mind that they were going to work. And so they did. Those people had kingdom vision. Then listen to this one. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, says this. Those who were building the wall, okay. Get a picture of people building a wall. The common laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. So get a picture of this. You've got construction workers. Because the devil had raised up his group of people. Remember I said the devil uses people too. So not only, if you read this whole chapter, you'll get all this. So not only did Nehemiah's people rebuild the wall with one hand 
but they're fighting off the enemy with another with a sword. How would you like to be setting blocks, cement blocks, whatever, you're setting your blocks with your concrete and all that stuff, and you're swinging at the guy over here. I mean, how would you like to work that way? How would you like to work that way out at the fort, a base? No. you got enough going on, right? Okay. <laughs> wow. Why did they do that? Why did those people fight with one hand, build with another? Why did they do that? Because they had kingdom They had kingdom vision. God's stuff was important to them, so they had kingdom vision. So what do we focus on? We can't defeat the enemy if we don't know what he's up to, right? We have got to be informed. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story. How many of you remember Rosie Wheaton? Rosie Wheaton, little old precious gal, precious few of you, because this was a while ago that she was here. Back in 2016, Rosie Wheaton and I were the only ones that went to warfare prayer that day. And we were praying over in victory. This was the beginning of 2016. The presidential election had not taken place yet. None of that had happened. And we were praying about uh, a warfare prayer. We pray, we, uh, I asked the Lord, Lord, what's on your heart? And we pray for one topic. He tells us what's on his topic, on his heart, and that's what we pray for. So that day, we were praying for uh, Washington, D.C. That's what he laid on our hearts that day. So as I was praying, the Lord showed me a vision, and I will never forget this. And I think about it all the time. He said, the Holy Ghost said, the corruption in Washington, D.C. is like a deep pit. And in the spirit, I saw this deep pit this deep black hole and I thought to myself that looks like hell a deep black pit hell that's what corruption in Washington DC looks like looks like God the Father and I thought wow that's pretty bad <laughs> so we prayed about that you know that we took that to prayer we prayed about that but man it's just if you know if you watch the news at all you know it's getting worse and worse that corruption pit. But we can get rid of that corruption pit by doing several things. But it's going to take believers. Why? Because believers have the authority. Jesus gave us the authority, right? We've got the authority. We can do something about that pit of corruption in Washington, D.C. Another day we were praying about Sacramento. You know what the Lord's opinion is of Sacramento? He called it a pit of vipers. By these bills that I read to you, you consider that a pit of vipers? Is this life and that more abundantly? Heavens no. This is stealing, killing, and destroying in people's lives. I'm not putting up with it. I don't know about you. Now I'm going to tell you about one more person. We talked about Peter. We talked about Nehemiah. We, we saw that there was prayer leadership and unity in all those cases, right? We saw what the Lord did. And I'm going to talk about David, King David. He wasn't king then. He was just a teenage boy. He was a teenage boy much like Jesse here. And he decided, well, one day, you know, you know the story. Well, maybe you don't know the story. You know, we take for granted that everybody knows these Bible stories, and they don't, right? 
if you've never learned about the Bible. So uh, uh, David came from a big family. He was the youngest of all these brothers. So uh, David was a shepherd boy. He tended to his father's sheep and blah, 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 while his, while his brothers were all fighting the Philistines. Well, the Israeli army at that time were, were fighting these giants. You know, the uh, Goliath was a huge giant of a man. I forget how tall he was. In Bible facts, I, he was way up there somewhere, 11 feet tall. I don't know, give or take. Don't take my word for that. But they were just huddled and afraid to do anything. The Israeli army was afraid of the Philistines. Well, here comes David, you know, King David. He comes along, and he's got some cheese and bread for his brothers who are fighting in the, in the war there. are supposed to be fighting, but they're all hiding away. And when David sees what's happening, he says, What's the matter with you? What's the matter? Why are you afraid of that? Why are you afraid of him? And you know, this, you know how the saying, David saw a great big God and a little bitty giant. But they saw a great big giant and a little bitty God because they, weren't king, they didn't have kingdom vision. They didn't know that God Almighty was stronger than Goliath. So David went out and he had to raise a bunch of money because he had to make a... He had to put it on the TV because he had to have a campaign and he had to raise a lot of money, you know what I mean, for weapons and all that kind of stuff. So David went home and he raised a lot of money and stuff like that, okay? No. <laughs> David got five smooth stones. Why? was why? Because he was used to his slingshot. You know, if you re- read about David, previously he'd killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. You know, he was quite the teenager, you know what I mean? So, you know, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should come against the armies of the living God? Huh. So he gets out his little slingshot and he gets out his, sto- his uh, stone and wham, hits him right between the eyes, kills him, and he falls dead. Well, what does that do? It makes the Israeli army, all of a sudden they're brave and bold. Whoopee! So they're going to go out and they're going to get the rest of them, you know what I mean? Okay, look. Obviously, somebody was praying back then. It doesn't say, but obviously they were. So, prayer was going on someplace. Even if they were eating their cheese and bread, hopefully they were praying. They must have been praying because God answered the prayer by sending David. So you've got David, the leadership. You've got the prayer, you've got the leadership, David, and you've got unity. All of a sudden, because that giant was killed, the Israeli army came in unity and they defeated what was going on there. And if you read about David all through the, the old, uh, old Testament, I love reading this stuff, you see how David won battle after battle after battle after battle after battle. The only time, I think there was once when David didn't, didn't win, and, and he forgot to ask the Lord. He forgot to say, Lord, what do you want me to do about this group of people? And he decided he was going to go do it on his own. He fell flat in his face, and they lost that battle. But if the military would seek the Lord. All you military folks, retired and otherwise. If the military would seek the Lord, Lord, how do you want me to handle this? If the Lord says, go up and defeat him, you go up and defeat him. If he says, stay back, you stay back. See, if they would get the mind of the Lord, if they would get, if the United States military would get kingdom vision. Wow. How cool would that be? Amen. So, I want you to, I want you to look at 10, Luke 10, 19.
Luke ten nineteen. Jesus said, huh, And I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing shall injure you. What did he just say? What did he just say? What did Jesus just say? Who did he give authority to? Us. Wow. And we're sitting on a log doing nothing? And we've got the authority? Wow. He gave us the authority, right? I want to look at that again. How much, how much power of the enemy did he give authority over? All. All. So all means all. Right? All doesn't mean just a little bit. You know, you win some, you lose some. No, it doesn't say that. He has given us, his born again children of God, authority over all the power of the enemy. Look there, and nothing shall by any means harm us. Look at that. Wow. Look at uh, Matthew 28. Look at verse 18 and 19. Oh, boy. Jesus came and told his disciples, which means us as well, I have, give, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go. You is the, is the, is the, is the subject of that sentence, although it's not there. It says, therefore, go. But it means, therefore, you go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. So Jesus has given us authority, all authority over Satan. At the name of Jesus... Every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth. He's given us his name. His name is a weapon he's given to us. In the name of Jesus, Satan, I bind you from operating in however. We have got to be, have, and be kingdom-minded and have kingdom vision. Do you think it's important in these times that we live in? You know, God chose us to live in these last days. He must have thought we had something about ourselves. So we need to do something with what we know. Now, now, the problems today look insurmountable. I mean, if you watch the news at all, it's just like, oh, jeez, you, you know, it gets to you. You can't watch a lot of it. It's got bad. But the problems today are not insurmountable for God and his people who have kingdom vision or or who are kingdom-minded. God uses people. Say, God uses me.
Are you willing for God to use you? Okay, so this is what I'm going to do about it. Okay? I already have warfare prayer. I stopped the Sunday night one because of lack of people coming. But I still have Tuesday morning, 9.30 in the office, warfare prayer. We change the state. We change the the state. We change the country. We change the world by praying. Don't we, Maxine? So it's usually Maxine and I, Pastor and Pastor Dave. And you're welcome to come if you want to get down and get dirty and pray. Another thing I'm going to do is I'm going to establish a new ministry here called Righteousness Watch. And I'm going to make you aware of all these disgusting bills that are going on in our state and going on in our nation. And I'm going to show you how to simply reply to these. Piece of cake, piece of cake, piece of cake. But if we sit back and do nothing, if we don't pray, I mean, if we don't pray, God doesn't get involved. I already told you that. No prayer, no God. Just That's just the way it is. But if we get involved in watching what's going on, if we don't have our head in the sand, and if we're watching, if we are, have kingdom vision, and I can get to you the information about what's going on, and I can show you how to combat this stuff in the natural, that's what I want to do. But we need, God needs you to respond. A lot of it is looking this stuff up on a computer and pushing a button. That's as simple as it gets. Now, a lot of these bills, each bill, like they have, you know, they know how to finagle things. Like they may have a thousand-page bill. Well, I'm not going to sit here and read thousand-page bills. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. But there are people that do. And they get down to the what the bill is really about, like the one paragraph. See the paragraph? Just the paragraph. That's what it's all about, just the paragraph. And then I can tell you. So I want to do this. Is it like I have nothing else to do? No, I have plenty to do, you know. But I feel that if we as believers sit back and let Satan have our families, this this stuff I read to you was all about families, wasn't it? It's all about your children, your health care, your da-da. If they want, you know, if we sit back and let them have that, it's our fault. It's our fault. And it won't get worse it only gets better. I mean, it won't get better. It'll only get worse unless we do something. So let's let's stand up. That's all I've got for today. But I really wanted to challenge you because we've got to do something. You know, it is the last days. We cannot hide our heads in the sand. Yes, have your fun, but by golly, roll up your sleeves and let's do some fighting in the spiritual realm. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Well, if the prayer team wants to come on up, well, uh, if you need prayer for anything today, come on up and, and we'll, we'll pray for you. And Josh, if you want to lead us in some stuff. And nothing comes close to the Lord Almighty. Nothing as sweet as His love and mercy. Nothing comes close to the Lord Almighty. Nothing 
as sweet as his love and mercy such an awesome God so mighty so holy so wonderful such an awesome God so selfless so generous so faithful you are such an awesome God and nothing comes close to the Lord almighty sweet as his love and mercy nothing comes close to the Lord almighty nothing as sweet as his love and mercy nothing comes close to the Lord almighty sweet as his love and mercy nothing comes close to the Lord almighty nothing as sweet as his love and mercy is such an awesome God so So mighty, 
so holy, so wonderful, such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are. I'll tell you what, Mrs. Pastor talked about some pretty serious, really deep stuff, and you know, I'm thinking about the about the whole thing. I teach the Bible. I don't I don't talk about politics a whole lot or anything like that. But I want to tell you something. I'm thinking as she's talking the things she said about us as Christians. It's not good times, and I'm thinking about politics. You cannot separate politics from God and Christianity. You know, that things we saw in the Bible was politicians, kings of people that were overcoming Israel, doing the things we're doing. And uh, I'm not going to go on into preaching, but uh, I'll, I'll say this. If you get mad every time you go into Walmart because things are locked up, that's because people voted for politicians and said it was okay to steal. And so you can't get mad at Walmart. And the same thing about everything you said. They, when they pass laws that say, if you don't have money to pay tickets, then you can just keep your license and keep on driving. But the people that have money, they lose their license if they don't pay. That's all, all those, I mean, just hundreds of them, laws that are made that are absolutely destroying everything we believe in. And there's not one politician in a local office, a state office, county, federal, that's not there because what a majority of people put them there because they wanted them. And so we as Christians have got to get our heads out of the sand. You know, uh, take your eyes off Republicans, take your eyes off Democrats, take your eyes off personalities. Look what these people are saying they're going to do because these laws that have been passed, the people weren't lying when they campaigned. They told people wanted to hear what they said, here's what we're going to do, and they did it. But the sad thing about it, there's a whole lot of born-again Christians that just get so offended at life, they won't vote for anybody. Or they'll hear something they think they like, and they don't research, so they vote for that person. Then they change the laws. Politicians get up there and lie, and they say, my opponent's the one that did it. Soon you get mad at the wrong guy because you don't do your own research. So I'm just saying the thing she talked about is right. 
and they're good, a lot of things going on, but we Christians across the land, if we would just rule our own selves and pray, and then ask the Lord to show us who can we vote for, we can still vote right now, if things don't turn, there might come a day we can't vote. But we right now, it's not too late. Goliath is not bigger than God. I want to say it again. The news media that is not good to us, social media hands that try to control us, they're not bigger than God. And we're the ones that serve Him. And if we will really pray, and then when we're having conversations with people on our jobs and in our families and things, we don't have to preach, we have to talk politics, but we can talk right and wrong and then tell, tell the people we're talking about, hey man, did you research this guy and see what he's really doing? Did you research these people and see their track record? See what's going on with them? Anyway, let's just get serious about life and let's as Christians do something to start voting some different people in and doing something different so our kids and our grandkids can still have something left of what we've had. Amen? That just really some good, serious stuff, but it's right. And we as Christians, us and God are a majority. I want to say it again. We and Jesus are greater than anybody that's influenced by the devil that wants to still kill, destroy, and tear up everything we've got. Amen. So anyway, Mrs. Pastor, that's some heavy-hitting, hard-hitting stuff, but I've seen those bills and you can research them too. Those are really bills that they have out there. Really, some of them's even worse than the things you're hearing. And the thing is, if we don't get some things changed, glory to God, heaven sure looks good. But Jesus said his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Need to turn it around. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit's in us. And you said it's greater he that's in us than he that's in the world. And you said in John 8, 31, when we know the truth, the truth that we know will make us free. And Lord, your word is truth. And when we pay the, pray the truth, we pray the word, you answer. And I thank you that all across America, there are Christians, there are Christian leaders, there are people that are crying out. And Lord, I know that Israel was captive in Egypt for over 400 years. Had there come a point in time that they had enough, they really cried out, you raised up Moses. And then Moses came and he challenged Pharaoh. And then your people were set free. Lord, don't let it be 400 years in America. May the people of God rise up and cry out to you and raise up that leadership, political and spiritual, Lord, that will do what's right in your sight so you can change our nation. We thank you for all of us that heard this message today. In our hearts, seeing what we do as our part in praying, in voting, and anything else you'd have us to do, run for office or anything else, Lord, show the people of God what to do. And we just want to thank you, Lord, like it says on our money still, in God we trust. We thank you that is the model of America, and we're going to start living it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, let's speak our... Okay, we're going to speak the barstool thing, but i got to read the words. Okay, are we ready? We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. 
Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.